We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Jack Ramsey's Danny Meringue, Brandon Sprague. Media day is over. We'll dive into that real quick. Just a gentle reminder. Like, rate, view, subscribe. Help us grow the show. Uh, is the beginning, the official beginning of the 2023-2024 season. Jack Ramsey's brought to you by uh, Move Insoles, a Blue Wire Network podcast. Do all of the things that we need to get out of the way uh, on the business side of things, because God knows I forget that stuff all the time. Brandon, uh, unfortunately, you were um, you were detained, as it were, trying to leave the studio today, so you could not make it down for media day. Uh, but you did get to listen. So uh, what what are your let's go thirty thousand foot view, and then we'll kind of go person by person as as we we dive into it. I'm kind of motivated to start this podcast and do it Jimmy Butler style, a little emo. Mm. I was in my feelings today. I had gotten done with the show at 8.55, and I had multiple people not stop talking to me until about Chauncey Billups stepped off stage and DeAndre Ayton had stepped to the stage. And at that point, it, it's no disrespect meant towards Ant or Scoot. I kind of was just like, okay, some of the, the bigger names that I wanted to talk to are done. Mm. I heard them. I went and watched all the, the interview stuff that I missed live. Um, it was good. I, th- I thought there was some really good takeaways. I thought there was some interesting things from Chauncey's angle. Uh, we're big fans of the pick and roll. We love the pick and roll offense. Now, uh, we see how it operates in the league. I think he's come around on that. I, I'm not just saying it to say it truly mean it. I actually thought Joe did the right things. He didn't step in it and he kind of gave logical answers and, he has a slower cadence than most because I think he likes to kind of think about what he's going to say mm-hmm. in a split second, whereas some people just talk and you can go, oh, he stepped in it. Mm-hmm. And so um, we can get to all the things today and questions that you got to scoot in the way he handled some of the questions that were asked of him. Um, my read on Jeremy Grant, <laughs> which, you know, maybe you had the same read, mm-hmm. but we can dive into all the stuff. Old man in the room. That's what I got. Yes. Yes. G- G- let me tell you right now. I believe it was off camera. We told Jeremy that he's not the oldest player on the team currently. It is Malcolm. Malcolm's got him by like I think eight months. And he and he he dropped a like. There's a real sigh of relief. Like, am I really going to be the oldest dude in this locker room? My God. Do you have you seen this? Is a random poll. Have you seen the movie Zootopia? It's a Disney yeah. animation movie. Yeah, yeah, okay. The Fox and yeah. 
Yeah, there's a scene in there where they go to look for a suspect, mm -hmm. and it's like a buffalo at a naked sanctuary, mm -hmm. and like that's Jeremy Grant to me. He's just all zen all the time. If he's in a naked, you know, church of some sort, I wouldn't be shocked. Like just mm -hmm. kumbaya, meditating, levitating above like human nature. Like there's just a, such a relaxed vibe with him. I don't disagree with that. Rewatch the movie and you. No, no, like, anybody I, out no, no. there? I don't disagree because Jeremy is all vibes, and I even on his worst nights, even when mm -hmm. things didn't go well last year, like you could tell, you can you can always sense frustration in dudes. Like, and there was a couple losses last year where guys were just it was like, this is a tough locker room right now. Yeah. Um, even in those nights, like I would walk in, and Jeremy's lockers are literally right when you walk in the door on the right hand side, and. So he was always a good way to um, gauge the locker room. Like if Jeremy was not like giving me a little nod when I walked in the locker room, it's like, mm, shit, it's going to be a rough one. <laughs> like yeah, that's the, you stand in the middle, awkwardly quiet, wait uh -huh. for everybody to, to dress. See, and then you go, it, okay. Because <laughs> you just stand there and you're like, throw me, you'll sidle up to somebody. Like post game, sure. you'll you'll sidle up to somebody. Hey, what's going on? Like you don't even make him talk about the game. You just, how you feeling? How's the ankle feeling? How's the kids doing? Like mm -hmm. normally, you don't dive right into the game after a bad loss. You kind of check in with some guys, like let them chill for a minute. Don't hit them oh, with yeah. like, hey, that uh, that possession back there that you bungled. Uh, what do you think about that? You know, like, right, right. I mean, you could do that. <laughs> do that. Do that that at your at your own discretion. I wouldn't advise advise it, but you know, teach their own. Um, but yes, I would agree. I think Joe did well. I, th I honestly, I thought everybody did well. Uh, I thought everybody had their their own moments too. Uh, when you're talking about Joe, when you're talking about Chauncey, you talk about Ant, talk about DeAndre, you're talking about Scoot. I thought those those guys in particular, um, Shaden, um, looking at Quick and hitting him with the paint you a picture. <laughs> very shaden no clue I'll tell you what still leaps and bounds better than shay was last year yeah. but my guy is just not media savvy in the best possible way i i love it his facial reaction when he said it too <laughs> like he's like what are you talking about dude yeah. yeah and it wasn't like it wasn't that he didn't like he wasn't like he was tossing quick's question out like what he just had no clue what paint me a picture meant mm -hmm. he's like describe it he's like oh and then shaden did his normal description with four words right i i, I just like to win <laughs> it was like you know, ah there's shay that that was the aspect <laughs> by the way there was also some pretty big news dropped at the beginning of this media session mm. that i think is kind of not being talked about enough mm. but the other thing i like about media day is Everybody taking a shot at asking the question that might get the answer or get somebody to kind of think deeply on something. Mm -hmm. And Hyken had this today. He asked basically DeAndre, you know, I think it was something along the lines of like, hey, you the reputation kind of thing. It wasn't mm -hmm. the motor question. It was like, why is this? And DeAndre's like, I don't know. I worry about myself. And then just moved on. And I'm like, I bet Sean's like, damn. I think Sean's question was longer than the answer. Yeah, I, I had one of those, too, because I was trying to pull a little something out of Shay, knowing that I have to 
dig a little harder. I, I, I got to dig with Shay. I, 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 yeah. I know. I know what that has to be. So it's just, it's it's hard sometimes. Uh, he is. He's still learning. He's still a kid. He's still twenty. Um, the the difference between Ant day one and Ant now. Oh, buddy, leaps and bounds. Ant was worse than Shay. So I have I have hope for Shay. I because uh, Ant I met was Ant, uh, his rookie year, and yeah, Danny, I don't. Just, I, uh, I stood next to him, just, walking uh, down the hall, <laughs> and I don't know. I didn't know he could talk. Like uh, it was literally like. Hey man, like, uh, what do you what do you do in nights like this where you don't get as much run? This is rookie year, and he's mm-hmm. like, I just, I just, I just stay ready. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. what? What did you say? <laughs> Excuse me, come again? Yeah, no, it, he's come a long, long way. Um, let's dive into the to the front of it. Um, oh, well, you you had a, you you actually you said you, there was something in there that you don't think is getting enough traction or enough uh, conversation. What, what does that think for you? It's pretty. Plain. I, I think Dwayne said the biggest thing we've heard in a while. They're, Jody's not selling the team. Um, mm. I don't look, I don't know where all this is going to go. Nobody's been able to fully examine the trust. All we know is what we've heard, right? And what we've heard is was Adam Silver coming out saying, oh, no, 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 they got to sell the team. And it was almost like a, it's going to happen soon. And I think that got a lot of people like us talking. And then it's always been kind of batted away by internally uh, with the trailblazers. And then Adam Silver talked about it last and he kind of made it sound like, okay, I'm not pushing this away. And I was, I did a double take when I heard Silver's comments on that. And then today they come out and point blank say teammate for sale. I, I have no other reason to believe it's going to be the opposite. Maybe the expansion thing changes stuff. I don't know. Uh, but I think today, Danny, a lot of people, or myself included, who have been wondering about the future of the team ownership-wise, I think I'm kind of done talking about it if they're going to come out flatly and say, not for sale, and Adam Silver's going to say, yeah, these estate things, they're they're more complicated than we think, as if like there's going to be another 10 years of this. So I thought that was kind of the underrated part of the media day. I, I, I didn't really think much of it because I, I've you know, maintained pretty open channels with uh Dwayne through the summer um mm-hmm. I I've I've done some stuff with them behind the scenes on on some some broadcast stuff so um that is to me isn't like this something that's been pressing um so but it, it is newsworthy for sure um I still imagine that it's going to be in the next couple of years that they'll figure that out. I still keep kind of leaning towards when the new TV deal um, goes through. 2025, 26, yeah. right? Something mm-hmm. like that. So I, I, I lean on that pretty heavily. Um, see, the thing I thought you were going to go with was the, the TV deal. Mm. The We're very much monitoring what's going on in Utah and in Phoenix. Did you see what Utah did? We didn't talk about this last week. No, we didn't talk about it. Yeah, I saw it. It was it's, it's tremendous. It's really smart. I think it's the way to do it. Um, direct you give to consumer single streaming. game options. Yep. Or yeah, hundred and twenty five bucks for the season. Which, when you think about it, it's like oh, hundred twenty five bucks to get every game in your house. It costs less than a buck fifty a game, and it also comes with two tickets to a game. Yeah, uh, like a T-shirt and like a voucher for some like food. Yeah, there or were something like that. Like there's. Yeah, I I think there were different levels to it. Mm-hmm. Like if you paid to commit for the season, it's 125 instead of like, bucks. Yeah, and then you got tickets to a, Which, a specific game. Who cares? Like think about it this way: 
even if they're the worst opponent in a midweek, that's still probably like 20 bucks each ticket. So that's like 40 bucks worth of value alone. So now you're paying, you know, 85 bucks, essentially a dollar a game. If you're an NBA fan and you're not willing to pay a dollar a game, look, I am not trying to shame anybody like financially, but if this is like your thing, a dollar a game is nothing. I, I think I'd I still have questions about it, and I think it's something to follow with Utah and Phoenix. Because you ultimately, if you have cable, right, you're still paying. Each channel you have on your cable is actually charging you. That's why your cable bill is as expensive the, the as bundle. it is. Your bundle. So you're paying a set amount per month for a channel. I'm more curious to see how good is the stream because we still have moments where streams can be a little mm-hmm. wonky with internet connection. And, like, do they create – they already have the Trailblazer app. Does that go to your TV? Like, if, if they're going to copy the Utah model, as an example, is Utah going to have their team app on the TV app store? You click it and you just open it every game? Like, I'm curious to see how that operates. So it's something I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, I, I would be shocked that if in the next deal they didn't have some hybrid version of what Utah and Phoenix have done. Yeah. Where a over the air and a direct to consumer streaming option. I would love that. I would be shocked if that wasn't the case. That's just, that's the way that the NBA is trending considerably. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else from Dwayne that, that jumped out to you? No, those, those were probably just the, the couple mm-hmm. things for me with Dwayne. Um, uh, financially and, 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 and things of that nature, I, I, the business side of things, I think the Blazers are doing the right things. Like they got the G league franchise, they're expand, they, they expanded the front office. They grew their scouting department. Like I know everybody wants to beat up on Jody and look, I have my own like hangups with, with her on certain things, but they haven't cheaped out. Like they've spent money. They had like what the fourth highest payroll in the league last year. They sucked, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like this isn't what's going on in Oakland with the A's or the Cincinnati Reds or the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's a lot of baseball in there. Um, are they the most extravagant spending team? No, no, but they're continuing to, to build things out and make things better for them. So as long as they're still doing that, doing above the bare minimum, I'm not going to crush them because there are owners in the league who are doing the bare minimum. Like they're, they're, they're above that. They're, they're a very average ownership group right now. When it comes to spending money, I talked to somebody in the organization a few weeks ago and we talked about this topic and I said, there are absolutely things to tout. I mean, having a G league team again and locally, by the way, so fans Mm -hmm. can go to games, not in Idaho, uh, having the advanced international scouting and like finding out we only had one international scout in the second most international game in the world Mm -hmm. is mind blowingly dumb. And I said, those are good things. That's tout it. But the problem is, a combination the owner just died like people i don't know how many people truly were in tune with what was going on with paul and so it was like paul allen's passed away and you're like what and then it's the uncertainty of what that future holds mixed mm-hmm. with the commissioner saying she's they gotta sell and mm-hmm. everybody having this well the estate's gotta sell so then it's like a rushed okay sell it sell it to something then you got a local guy that started the biggest sports apparel company in the world he wants to buy it. He's investing in that air. I think it's a combination of things. And then I also said, I think ultimately what also hurts, we have yet to hear her talk one time. Like the one thing Paul was really it's a, good it's at. It's something that I've passed on multiple yeah. times to but 
executive. Nobody's going to tell her what to do. Like they're, you know, she's the boss boss. Like mm -hmm. you go to your boss and tell your boss what he, he, he or she should do every day. No. So nope. I have my qualms with that. I think that's not good. Um, Paul at least was willing to do that. Right. At, every at least year. once a year, at least once at least a year, once a year. Yep. media scrums. He and would if it's do not it. her, you've got Bert. That was also talked about. And again, it was kind of the same thing of, you know, any talking at all would be great and beneficial, just, but just once, just once a year would like, well, I yeah. think would go a long way. Yep. So, all right. Uh, on to Joe, Joe Cronin. Uh, Joe opened up his comments, uh, rightfully thanking Damian Lillard for over 11 years of fantastic basketball memories, emotions, everything that came with it. Uh, the opening comment was, I want to open up thanking Damian Lillard for 11 incredible seasons with us. Obviously, he's a Blazers legend, and we're very excited to see what he's got in store next, and we're rooting for him. It's the right way to handle this. The Blazers, neither privately nor publicly, are going to address the Haynes article. Why should they? It painted them as such a negative franchise, mm -hmm. conniving, um, dirty... Breaking NBA protocol, I wouldn't I wouldn't address it either. What do you benefit from? You don't, right? The piece doesn't go away if you refute anything. In fact, I think you just kind of open up more of a a Pandora's box with it. I thought thanking Dame, wishing Dame good luck. Chauncey, I think, said this right. He said the secondary team for a Blazer fan this year very well could be the Milwaukee Bucks. I thought the way they handled the Dame topic, and I know they answered a lot of questions on it. Mm -hmm. I thought overall just the messaging was we sent him to a title contender. Like you literally couldn't ask for better. Maybe Miami was better in your mind, but like you had to play with Giannis. So you're welcome. Yeah. And we're moving on now. We're on to scoot. Yes. Uh, Joe was asked about the Haynes piece and about the, um, the trade, the trade requests um, pullback because the rescinded non rescinded yes. trade requests. So for for those wondering and still not aware, Dame was in discussions with Joe uh, at Dame's house. And this is over an hour plus long meeting. And he said, hey, you know, if you can't get me to Miami, I'd rather just come back. And that, that rather just come back was not come back permanently. It was come back to allow for time for a deal to be constructed to send him to Miami. And um, Joe elaborated on that point. He did confirm that that happened, and this is what he said. I told him I personally thought it was a bad idea. The trade request had not been rescinded, and for me, I didn't want to go into the season. I thought, well, let's find something now instead. He later clarified, I thought the trade request would be consistently hanging over our heads, that this trade request was still active and that wasn't going to change. Basically, even though Dame says, hey, everything's everything's good, I'll come back, we'll be fine. Like Again, the opening of Pandora's box. You can't just put that back in and be like, we're good here. Now I was like, well, the Kobe did it. Kobe got Pau Gasol. The Blazers just said, we can't go get Pau. Well, also the equivalent to Kobe doing that would be as if, if all this was happening and we were in Miami, not Portland, Oregon, like the Lakers get people Portland traditionally doesn't Now, Whether you want to argue about the effort to go get something and trading draft picks, that's kind of different. I I just I don't think the Kobe situation is the same. And on the Joe note, I'll I'll just kind of echo it again because I think I said in the last pod, uh, I'm doing this emoji, which is thank God 
because I've said it the whole time, man. Like it's not a knock on Dame. It's not a knock on Dame being a part of the franchise in any way anymore. But like you asked for a trade. The last thing I wanted to see as a fan was Dame Lillard do media day for the Blazers and all of us to be acting as if we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple months. And also like for the mentorship, he can mentor Scoot. I mean, or he'd just not play or he'd play and just wait to be traded. I, I, this whole running conclusion that every veteran player mentors every young player is it's a business, man. Like these are jobs for people and not everybody wants to sit there and be Yoda to someone's Luke Skywalker. So it's not that he doesn't care about Scoot or won't answer Scoot questions throughout moments of career. It's just, I thought that was the right choice. It's very controversial. I was kind of surprised how many Blazer fans got upset at Joe for wanting to not take Dame back in the meantime. I thought overall he got a pretty good haul in return, flipped it for another deal, but didn't want to deal with, uh, for lack of a better term, a circus. You know, Dame coming back and being with them for a couple months would have been a circus. Everybody in the league would have been talking about Portland, but it would have been about when are you trading Damian Lillard? And that's all it would have been about. And that's the thing. It's just, you know, that's that's the unfortunate side of like when that thing going public, that's one reason why it can't be put back in the box. And again, like uh, I, I mentioned yesterday, I have an article that is currently embargoed that I will release once I have Dame's okay on some off-the-record comments um, that we discussed throughout the process. Um, as long as he greenlights that, I'll, I'll put that out on, on my thoughts and my feelings on the, not just the Haynes piece, but the entire process. You know, what I heard from Dame and what I was hearing behind the, the scenes of everything that was going on and not establishing any kind of blame, but just kind of a, here's a more nuanced, detailed look at what I saw through the summer. Yeah. For what it's worth. This is... This is going to sound weird, but I'm probably one of a handful of people on the planet that was able to talk to both sides during the entire process and kind of getting a feeling for how each side was feeling and understanding the unique concerns and limitations and frustrations of both sides. So, um, like I said, I'll, I'll put that up and that'll be free and unlock for everybody on the Patreon, hopefully tonight That's um, when I'm hoping it'll, it'll go live. Um, were there any other takeaways from, from Joe's conversation for you? No, I, I think the big thing for him today, I mean, obviously he tried to point in the direction of how the franchise feels about their current roster. But I, I think for the most part, the big part for Joe today for everybody was your thoughts to the Haynes piece, the Dame stuff, you know, what you learned from it, all that kind of stuff. I think that was the big takeaway for most people with Cronin. Um, selfishly, I did ask Joe a question that I, I had a lot of interest in. In conducting these... Um, discussions around these big name players. Did he learn something about what it truly means to go all in? Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix. Yeah, you know what? Now that you mention it, like I did hear that question, and I thought we had talked about that on the pod yesterday. Mm -hmm. So I was curious to hear his answer. And I think I I thought he he did well, and like yeah, you understand how heavy that weighs on you and how certain you have to be and when it comes time and how you just kind of have to, you have to hammer down on that. You, there's, there's no, like you can't dally, so to speak on that. And that's going to be something that I'm going to keep in the back of my head for three, four years down the road. If he's still running the team, when it comes time for them to when scoots 24, 25, when it comes time for them to, to make a move that goes, okay, we're, we're getting in. 
We're, we're, we're going to figure this out. And that, I think, is an interesting kind of just a, a, a inflection point to kind of go back on. Do you think that since... Let me put it this way. Do you feel like Joe is in a better position and viewed more favorably now, not just locally, but nationally, than he was July 1st? Yes, but on the the specific question you asked, for me, fine answer, it, it, it's kind of what you said. Like, it's kind of actions got to speak louder mm -hmm. than the words on that one, right? Like, that's the one thing with Joe. If I was talking to him face-to-face, -face, honestly, which I still don't think I've got to meet him yet, so that sucks. But um, I think that's the only thing I would say if the you know if we were talking about something like that is, like, when you say things like push chips in the middle or we're going to be the most aggressive and you're going to question it and then you don't, like, when you talk about actions, people won't believe it until it happens. So he did trade Dame. He did get a, a good return back for that. But when you talk about two, three, four years down the road for a trade, that could maybe move the needle quicker for Portland in a really uncertain future of West. And you talk about the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. The Lakers are old. The Grizzlies seem like they could self-implode if that doesn't go well this year. The Nuggets are changing pieces, though Jokic is not going anywhere. Uh, the Pelicans, question mark, right? You start going at Dallas, could self-implode. You look at the West and, you know, looking at something three years, four years down the road, it doesn't seem crazy to say they could be in a real sweet spot. Will you actually do it? I think it's one thing to answer. I think it's another to actually do it. All right, you, you kind of highlighted where the team's at in, in that, and I want to derail here just for a little bit before we get into Chauncey. Uh, the Vegas over-under. Ladies and gentlemen, it has finally been released. 28 and a half wins. Mm. Brandon Sprague. That is the number. I was going to go with 27 and a half. So mm -hmm. um, I think 28 and a half is harder. I think it's a harder number than 27 and a half. I, I think Vegas has got it pegged and it's that's that's tough. It's a tough win. That's a, that's a tough amount of wins. Okay. Not, not that the number's wrong. I I think it is tough to pick one way or the other on that. That is just basically you're saying under 30 or not. Yeah. So I I'm going to I'm going to do something that's going to blow your mind. You ready? Go. Hammer the under. Mm. Let me tell you why. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, Dame Lillard had to sit the last 10 games. And, and even with sitting the last 10 games. How many wins did they get? Well, they went 1 and 9. Mm -hmm. They went 33 and 49. Now, you might be saying, well, Sprague, they've got these veterans. They've got this experience. They've got some young studs. You might be correct. However, <laughs> I believe. I believe we got trades in our future. Probably two. Probably we, two. Wait, wait. Yes, we highly covet rookie-scale contracts. <laughs> so high-end, talented players in the draft, Daniel. That means under 28.5 wins. The Hornets had 27 last year. And the beauty of this number is, Danny, you can hit 28 and still hit the under. Mm -hmm. It's not fun to root for losses, but in this particular year, and I next, think I would hammer the under. Yeah. Uh, I want to play a little game with you. Are the Blazers better than this team? The Denver Nuggets? No. Memphis Grizzlies? No. Sacramento Kings? No. Phoenix Suns? No. Clippers? No. Warriors? No. Lakers? No. Timberwolves? No. Thunder? No. Pelicans? No. Mavericks? No. Jazz? No. Rockets? No. Spurs? 
I feel like Michael Cohen. More. More. I'll give more. you Spurs. <laughs> and that's about it. Well, you just named all the teams. The Spurs won? No. I don't think they are. Uh, I, I think they are because they have more veterans. Like, Wemby could be really good, and they just signed Vassell sure. to that new deal. Um, yeah. I, their point guard play is going to be a little bit limited, but it, it yep. is still a veteran point guard. Um, I think Sohan takes a step. I think Keldon Johnson is a savvy pro, but they're, they're still dumb young. Yeah, they are. And they I, don't have a, a scorer on the level of, of Ant. This is, that's a fact, mm-hmm. but I think when we get to the end of the season, they're going to be slightly better. And that's the thing is, like, I just named off all those teams, and, like, there, there's going to be a team that gets injured. The Pelicans or, or yeah. the Mavs. There's, like, a team that's just like, oh, Jesus, here we go again. Random team it falls apart for. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And they'll be better than that team. But the likelihood is, is they're better than one, two, maybe three teams in the West. And it, let's say they're the, the, let's say they're the fourth worst team in the West. That team last year was the Utah Jazz with 37 wins. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're, they're not that many wins. And so you start looking at it and you go, Portland had 33 wins. Okay? Last year. The Rockets and Spurs both had 22. Okay? Now let's go to the East real quick. Are they better than the Bucks? No. Celtics? No. Sixers? No. Cavs? No. Knicks? No. Nets? No. Hawks? No. Heat? No. Bulls? No. Raptors? No. Pacers? Mm, I like Halliburton. I'm going to say no. Yeah, okay. And Wiz- Heald's still there. So. Wizards are going to be the worst team in the NBA. So there, The Wizards one, are so bad. They're, they're, there's one team right now. They the, want to be the worst team yes, in the NBA. Yes, they 100% want to be the worst team in the NBA. The Magic are going to be better this year. The, uh, that I have no doubt. They may. Be I a, like the Magic as a sneaky play. In I do too. Uh, the Hornets are very bad. I, I would probably put the Blazers above them. The Pistons... Cade being healthy is a big, big difference. That's the problem. Is he going to be healthy? Yes. Uh, Cade, Asar Thompson, uh, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, like they've got stuff, but mm-hmm. um, can Bogdanovich be the guy that like holds all the kids together? He's got the right. Jeremy Grant role, but he's looking around. It's just him and Alec Burks. Like, shit, there's nobody else here but us. Everybody else, nobody else here can drink. You know, it's kind of one of those situations. <laughs> <laughs> So they're I'm just picturing Bogdanovich at a bar <laughs> randomly in Oklahoma City just taking shots by himself. It's just him and Alec Burks. Shit, we gotta go do this again. Oh man. But so they're clearly better than the Wizards and the Hornets in the East. Probably better than the Pacers. So right now, they're clearly better than four teams in the NBA. They're the fifth sixth or seventh worst team in the league this whole idea of like they'll win 40 games listen i love the optimism love it i think you're batshit crazy but love it fan out the way you want to fan out it's portland man of course we see the roster and go we're 40 to 45 wins remember the thing like the drum that i've been beating for years of the blazers needing more creators yeah. They just lost their best one and didn't get one back. Uh, I I disagree with you. He's wearing number 92 now. Okay. Is there is there a player more asking to be traded than somebody asking where, to wear the number 92? Wearing Deshaun Stevenson's number? What are we 
doing? I love it. Also, Time Lord giving up the number 44 and going number 35, major upset. Major you upset. You know, I was I was a little surprised by that, but I'm going to actually take some I'm going to take some pride in watching him dunk on somebody with 35 knowing that should have been Kevin Durant. <laughs> knowing that that should have been KD yeah, in a yeah. Blazer uniform. Dude, th- have you have you done the the rabbit hole on number 35 on the Blazers? Oh, yeah, hold on, hold on. This is it is a who's who. Uh, Trailblazers, number 35, history. I dove into this. Only three players have ever won it more than one season. You're going to name a white guy who part-time was working in Portland and playing on, like, the 72 team, aren't you? Uh, 1971, Ed yeah. Manning. 1972, Ed Manning. 1972. Definitely doing sheetrock somewhere. Daryl Imhoff. Uh, one of the guys to wear it more than one year, LaRue Martin. Mm. So there, there, there's one. Yes. Uh, after that, it was uh, thir- no, 12 years until somebody else wore it, Richard Anderson. And then we just have a run of single-year guys. Kevin Gamble. Kevin Thompson. Joe Klein. Mm, Joe Klein. I remember Joe Klein. Tracy Murray. Yeah. And then the legend, the caveman, Chris Kamen. Two yep, years. That was the only one I could think of. Wendingo, Wendin Gabriel. Oh yeah, okay, touche. Okay, uh, Didi Luzada in twenty two, <laughs> and then Justin Manaya at the end of last year in twenty three. All right, so it has got a sordid history. I would be willing to bet a steak dinner. Ed Manning was handing out contractor business cards in post game locker rooms when he was playing for the Blazers, wearing number thirty five. <laughs> so, um. The dreadlocked lunch pail uh, rim running monster that is Robert Williams not going with number 44. Major upset. That would have been Harvey Grant, Brian Grant, Robert Williams. I was like, that is the lane, buddy. I mean, yeah. Drazen was was the original you know, uh, star to wear 44. Drazen Petrovic. Hazonio mm-hmm. is the last one to wear it because they're both Croatian in honor of Drazen, which I thought yeah. was a really cool nod by, by Mario. Oh, um, I did too. Time Lord opting for for thirty five is is an upset. It, it, it genuinely is the forty four Photoshop the Blazers released was. It was like, Whoa. oh, that fits. That's good. Look, it uh, maybe this isn't why he did it, but now he has an opportunity to be the best thirty five in Lee in franchise history. It's not a hard. It's not a huge bar to clear. It's it's, it's although it, the caveman it's, it's LaRue, hard to take down. It, it's Larue Martin. It's Larue Martin it, is it, the bar. It, yeah, probably, but mo- most recently, I think people, the caveman is up. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like, like LaRue Martin wore it the longest, which was, I think, three years. Mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah, three it's, years. Yeah, it's kind of weird. That's the longest the number's Se- been 72 worn. to 75? Unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird numbers. Um, so, yeah, there's your, your, your weird numbers talk. All right, on to Chauncey Billups. Um, Chauncey Billups started his press conference by thanking Jody Allen. I, I, I found that to be... Um, Mildly interesting. He said, first off, I want to thank Jody for her constant support. This has been a difficult summer for all of us. Her support has been incredible for Joe, for Dame. Her caring for where our players were uh, want to go or were going to go. In other words, like, Jody was not, I would imagine, and this, I'm, this, is, me, this is me completely projecting. This is not based, sourced on anything. I would imagine that was Chauncey's way of saying, the front office was were in ownership. We're not thrilled with the one team edict from Aaron Goodwin, and that even with as pissed off as they probably got, 
they didn't send anybody to Siberia. Mm-hmm. They sent Nurk, Nas, and Keon to the best team they've ever been to in Phoenix. They sent Dame to the best team he's ever been to in Milwaukee. When, in reality, they, they could have sent guys to, to basketball hell. So, in that return... And then they also continued to do the same for Drew. So, uh, for those that are unaware, Drew Holiday did have a list as well of, of teams that he would like to go play for because uh, the likelihood is he is going to get extended. Uh, there was talk about him retiring, I believe, last year, and there was a little interview like a week before he was traded where he wanted, where he, he said he wanted to be a buck for life and he wasn't wanted to continue playing. Um, on the Drew Holiday front, I, like I said, I, I, I've been able to confirm the Clippers did hear the heat, did submit an offer on Drew Holiday for what it's worth. Yeah, that, that was interesting that I, I saw that blurb today and I'm like, hmm, glad this is leaking today. Yeah. Um, the Jazz, the uh, uh, Knicks, and obviously the Celtics. Yeah. So, um, but again, they got Drew Holiday to a team. Boston was on his list. Drew wanted to go to a title contender, and sure. right, rightfully so. He's in the twilight of his career. He was leaving a title contender. If you can get him to a title contender, which basically that list is sans Utah, but like Utah was willing to to up and and extend his deal. So, um, yeah, I, I think it. Uh, I think it ended up being uh, in that vein. I think. Chauncey is right. I think Jody Allen and then the trust did did well and did good by everybody they sent out. So I I caught that too, and that you know obviously that uh, came after Dwayne had said what he said about the ownership stake and situation with the team. I don't think this was an accident. In fact, I I, I think this was a little plan, and and I, I don't say that as a bad thing. I just I think they want to make it abundantly clear where everybody's sitting with this stuff. Because whether whether you like the situation or not, it is the situation. Mm-hmm. This situation doesn't look like it's going to be changing any time in the now. And so I think they just decided as an organization to come out and do the full support of the owner thing. Like, I don't think it was an accident. Dwayne said what he said or Chauncey opened up saying what mm-hmm. he said. Um, the fascinating thing that I read is did you see the I, I can't remember who wrote it either athletic or ESPN in talking about this it might have been uh Pelton KP opened my mind I didn't know because I'm not good with cap stuff contract extensions mm-hmm. you know where people are and what they can earn so I guess financially Drew did say he wanted he wanted he wanted to keep playing and so yeah. he wanted a contract extension Milwaukee actually saved $23 million by taking on Dame's deal mm-hmm. versus extending Drew Holiday. Yes, I didn't because Dame, know that. Dame extended earlier in the cap cycle. Yes. And I, I just, I should have known that. Like, I just, I kind of saw that and I was like, oh, that's, that makes even more sense. That's what I keep trying to tell people, like, with the Dame deal. I was like, oh, his deal's going to be that. And I'm like, he's not going to be a max, like, further out. It's the, it's the same no matter what. It's a percentage of the cap. Right, right. And so, like, the percentage of the cap at the back end of that deal would have been a larger number, but a same percentage. So it's just that kind of stuff is always just like people, they like to move that around. Um, Chauncey had some additional comments. I thought Joe did an incredible job. He stayed constant and wasn't reactive. It's rare that you see everyone involved. Again, talking about like getting guys where they want to, where I want to be. Um, there was a comment that he made um, where he said, I'm excited by all of it. It's been a total reset. What we tried didn't work. It's that simple. Joe and I spent so much time together to figure out what guys we wanted. And what guys they wanted 
was bigger, stronger, longer, more athletic teams. You and I talked about this yesterday. This is the most athletic team this franchise has had in 30 years. There is one argument for this team. It is the 91-92 Trailblazers. That's it. When you're talking about big, strong, super bouncy, athletic dudes, that's the list. They have got Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, Scoot Henderson, Tamani Kamara, Matisse Thybul, DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams. Like They have got athletes across the board. They're going to be aggressive, and my God, you could not find a person on that stage today that didn't mention we're going to run. I know. Like, less than five times. That was a massive takeaway, was style of play was echoed a million times. Now, it it doesn't... I I do want to see it, mm-hmm. but I do remember a couple media days we've where heard we, this before i yeah i know and i we've had it's different though right these are 23 22 21 19 like mm-hmm. this is different than dame being 27 28 years old saying hey yeah i'm we're gonna run more and then been like okay and then you know the second game in they're doing half court sets most of the time i, I i'm excited to see it and i hope that they follow through with it because if they do man they're gonna be definitely on like that zach Lowe uh league pass oh this this is going to be a league pass team immediately this year and then next year it's going to be like a top five like the way okc was this last year like you want to watch this team because they they're fun right um right. we'll get to scoop but he did mention um a, a little line of like i don't think we're gonna run a ton of set plays like <laughs> that was basically him saying i'm gonna go um i asked chauncey you know hey you you had some kind of like figuring out moments of like what you wanted to do and who you wanted to be offensively as a coach. And you got back to when you had Dame to being spread pick and roll. That was, do you see the foundation, the bones of your offense this year being Ant and DA being your spread pick and roll. And like that being the, the foundation that you build the offensive on that. So it allows scoot to be able to get in the paint and, and attack on weak sides and not drop the offensive creation burden on him. Because that's the thing. Again, I think Scoot is going to be good, and I'll continue to echo that. I think his creation is going to be way ahead of his finishing and his, and, his, and his shot making and his ability to get in the paint and spray the ball around. I think that is going to be real. But the offense, the engine of this team, is going to be Anthony Simons. Because you have to have somebody who creates gravity. Mm-hmm. And the guy who quite literally has shown you he can go for 27 and 6 over, you know, a two-month stretch while shooting, what was it, 48, 40, 90, is a guy that creates gravity. Right. And so if you go up, you know, uh, uh, pick and roll with Ant and DA, you get real rim gravity with DA, you get real three-point gravity with, with Ant, now you force defenses to make decisions. And that was one thing is... Chauncey's line, and I love how he phrases this, and I'm going to steal it, and I'm going to keep it in my head for the rest of my life. My whole thing is, how do we create the chase? Yeah. The way you do that is with the pick and roll. So we've got that with Ant and Scoot. With the young guys, there's some stuff I can try. I can tinker around. You get the chase by getting the defense behind actions. And I love that, like, the like basically, how do you put a defense in rotation? Mm-hmm. How do you make them really need to push for that. Yeah. So I, I am I am very interested to see 
you get, like I said, you get scooting or you get Ant and Da in a pick and roll. All of a sudden, they overload. Now you throw to the backside, and you've got Scoot Henderson, who, while I think teams are going to sag off him until he shows he can shoot, now he's able to attack downhill against an unsettled team. That's easier than playing in the half court. So let him make his bones in that facet. Damian Lord came to the NBA with three and a half years of reps as being a point guard, as running a pick and roll, a professional NBA offense. That's why he got here and dropped, what was it, 23 and 12 on opening night against yeah, Steve Nash Kobe and, and Kobe yeah. and Dwight Howard. He came in there and dogged dudes day one. Yeah. Because he had the reps. Scoot is going to get those reps over the next three years to catch up to Damian Lillard and the reps that he had. He's, he said it as much. He's going to take his lumps. Make yeah. it easier on him by having an offense that is based on Ant and DA and work out from there. I think the other part of that, too, is like I, you say three years. My timeline's way shorter than that because the experience he's going to garner at the league level versus Dame getting in the big sky, right? That's going to be a big difference uh, of just asserting your talent and finding out how it fits. I think the other part of this is if, if it's Ant primarily handling things in the half-court sets, and they're doing a lot of pick-and-rolls with DA, I think where you see kind of Scoot thrive and an area he can really contribute is those outlook passes off rebounds. How quickly can he get it out? Can he get the? Can he get it going? Get it going to Ant, get it going to Scoot. Like, get those exactly. guys where they're not in the half-court. Yes, exactly, and take advantage of teams. Be younger, be more athletic, right? Like, And, and also, this is the other part. If we're going to talk about over-unders, the other part that's going to screw an over... Danny is like, they're going to catch veteran teams on nights napping. Like, oh, that team's played three and five or whatever, and they're going to be mm. tired. They're not. They're they're 20 years old. No, these guys are so, not going to get gassed. There's a real opportunity to, like, hey, yo, did you see Portland beat so-and-so? And we're going to go, what? Like, they're going to have a couple of those mm-hmm. wins this year. So there's no doubt. It, it's exciting to see what Ant and, and uh, DeAndre are going to be. But I think areas that Scoot can contribute in, in a big way – are going to be when he gets the ball, how much action can he create off of Ant? And then, like those outlook passes, go get some easy offense, go, you know, set up shade and get some lobs, get things going, get some juice, bring it to that offense. Because I think, I don't think he's going to be able to do what Ant can do in year one, but he can sure learn a lot uh, alongside him while also still, you know, kind of orchestrating some kind of offense off rebounding. Chauncey had a couple other thoughts that I thought were, were interesting. Um, in talking about DeAndre Ayton, uh, you know, he's asked what you know what his role would be. He goes, "We're not going to bring in DeAndre here to be Embiid. We're not going to dump the ball in over thirty times a game, but he will have a more expanded role here than he did in Phoenix." And we'll talk about Ayton in a few minutes, buddy. I could not think of a person who is happier to be in a different spot than DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. D- Damian Lillard might be second as far as like being happier about where they are right now in their careers. DeAndre Ayton was thrilled about being here and new opportunities. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But I thought that was interesting from Chauncey of like, yeah, no, we're going to feed him. Cause here's the thing, the scoot Henderson or the Anthony Simons DA pick and roll is going to be play. Number one, Deandre eight and post ups going to be number two or number three. Remember the, the Carmelo Anthony uh, Memorial post ups that we had to watch over and over and over again. Oh Yeah. That was because Terry Stotts didn't trust any of the other kids on the team, then a young Anthony Simons, to run the offense. And so what you do is, like, 
yeah, this post-up isn't this great play, but in the half court, having a dude like DeAndre Ayton who can operate in the in a post-up or work in a pick-and-roll and a pick-and-pop and deliver a possession where you get a decent look as opposed to either not generating a good look or generating a bad look or a turnover. Like, mm-hmm. coaches will always prefer a good look that doesn't go in to literally anything else. So as long as you're getting that and they get that with veterans, it, it, it keeps the slop to a minimum. I, I liked what DA said today. I thought he had a, a lot of really good answers. Man, he's really trying hard to sell this dominating merch for sure. Yeah, he is. But I'll, I'll get a hoodie. I do want to ask you because we, we tend to get high on our own supply in this city. Mm-hmm. He's without a doubt, I think, going to have nights that make us go, wow. He's going to have 27 and 14 nights, and you're going, yes. good. And you're going to feel it all. You're going to go, man, like that felt like 27 and 14. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, though, if you were to say DeAndre was coming from, let's say DeAndre came from the Clippers. There's mm-hmm. a good team, a good playoff team, sure. but he became kind of the same thing he was in Phoenix. He's the blame, right? He's the reason that they didn't go further. He's the reason so-and-so wasn't happy or whatever. And he had gone to an Eastern conference team of rebuilding stature. So let's call it uh, for lack of a better one. Let's call it Toronto. Mm-hmm. I know they already have a center, but just sure. What would you think of Deandre Ayton? If we were completely removing it and you knew everything about him in the, at the Clippers and Toronto comes in and goes, we had to trade our star player and we covet this with our young mm-hmm. nucleus. What would you think of DeAndre Ayton? Because I think that's the best way to view yeah. this lens instead of going, well, we're doing a Blazer podcast and obviously we want the Blazers to play well. But so if you took away the logo mm-hmm. and the name, what would you think of DeAndre Ayton? Before two weeks ago, and you know this about me, um, I I believe, uh, you know, I found out, like I said, like two weeks ago, I found out that Ayton to Portland was there. Like if they mm-hmm. want it, it's theirs. And I, before that, and I've said this steadfast, get him the hell out of Phoenix. It was the most, behind the scenes, it was the loudest, this can't go on a day longer situation that existed yeah. in the NBA. Yeah. Like, it was toxic. And it was like, well, he had a dust up with Monty Williams. And even I said that. And then, you know, you start figuring stuff out behind the scenes and just how cooked everything was. And there's just, there was no, there was no redeemable quality about anything there. There was just, it was cooked. It wasn't just his relationship with Monty. It was his relationship with James Jones. It was his relationship with Sarver. Like those three guys lied to him. They said, do X, we'll give you Y. He did X, they did not give him Y. And to do that to a 22, 23 year old kid, Buddy, I don't know if you could burn a bridge faster in professional sports. Hometown kid, too. Went to Arizona, stayed in Phoenix. Went to high school there. Yeah. Went to college there. That's yeah, part of the reason they drafted him. Scenario for him. And then you screwed him over. Now, does that excuse the way he acted? No. But do I understand it wholeheartedly? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Back to Billups. Flipping over to Ant. I've been so proud of his progression. He had trouble deferring to Dame, and even Dame told him not to defer to him, but that's his big brother. I think Ant is primed to take it to another. He's so much more vocal now. And Ant echoed this. He goes, I know I'm that guy now, and I know I have to take it upon me. I have to be vocal. I like it, That's one of the things that I really worked on this summer was being more vocal in runs and in practices and just being around those. Um, 
what where do you kind of see do you are you seeing it in kind of the same light as me as kind of like being the de facto like he's your he's your fence post like he's the thing that you lay everything else out over the season well i think you know you know of all the players you have including da i think you know the most about him right longest tenured blazer yeah, and I love that you brought that up, and he couldn't stop he, smiling. Yeah, he was like, crazy. that's wild, right? <laughs> and, like, Jeremy's been in the league a lot longer, mm-hmm. but, like, in the same way, though, Jeremy's a chameleon, man. Like, if His you put nature Jeremy, is to fall back. Yeah, he can be this guy. He can be that guy, right? He's been a number mm-hmm. one on a team. He's been, like, a number four. So I, I think in terms of what we expect, I hope DeAndre pops, but we know what Ant is going to be. I I would echo, though, on the comment side of talking on the the court. I felt like we heard him more last year. I actually thought he did a good job of that last year. He may not have thought he could do as well as he's going to do this year, but I remember specifically watching multiple games throughout the season going, God, it's just crazy that this kid never talked, and now I can hear him on the TV. You can see him pointing and directing and – like he's here, he knows what this is. So I definitely see him as kind of being the focal point of all of this going into the season, given the experience that he has and the fact that he feels so confident in himself. Like that's the mark of a kid who came in as a teenager. It is now baby. He, I mean, he's still really young, mm-hmm. but like he's an old twenty-four. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he is an old twenty-four. He's seen some stuff. Season. He has seen some stuff. So I, I think it's encouraging what he was talking about because you like to see growth, but. Without a doubt, one of the fence post setters of kind of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple comments. Uh, Chauncey and Joe both said that, uh, you know, w- w- they were asked what, what's the thing for, about Scoot. They they got to know a little bit more now with him in the building on the floor. Um, was just, like They knew he was a playmaker. They just didn't understand just how good of a playmaker he was. Um, Ant and Shaden both echoed those sentiments of, like, he like Shaden said, uh, you know, I was going against him, you know, I was matched up with him and he ripped a pass to the opposite side. And he's like, how the hell did you see that? Like, and that's the thing is like, and I don't mean this is like some sort of sacrilege. I think Scoot's natural playmaking ability, the, the, the ability to do those things comes easier to him than mm-hmm. it did to Dame. I think sure. Dame's scoring acumen yeah. came to him significantly easier than it does to Scoot. I think you're like you're just moving those sliders around, right? Like the the like where their strengths are. And I think Scoot's natural vision, I think Dame's cone was was this, and I think Scoot's cone is this. Like it's it's wide open and he's got that ability to see basically everything naturally. It's uh, Danny, it's a skill set base, mm-hmm. right? So Dame's entire life, he's been a better shooter than everybody. Every time he played basketball, he was the best shooter. What happens when he gets older? Same thing. He's the best shooter. When in doubt, what does he do? He shoots it out. Scoot, I mean, he talked about why he thinks he has that vision. He cited being a running back as a kid and having mm-hmm. good vision, which I thought was funny. But that's kind of him. Scoot. He also said he didn't, he didn't like to get hit. No, he didn't. But I bet you he liked delivering some mm-hmm. hits. Or delivering a blow, like physically, he's been better than everybody he grew up with. He hasn't been the shooter, so I think that's just resting on your skill sets. Dame has always been used to having to shoot, being a smaller edge guy, and Scoot's physically more built than most kids his age. I mean, they 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 were talking about knowing this kid was going to be an NBA player, like freshman year of high school. You could just see it be different with him, and so when you can bully people around. While still seeing things that others can, I think you're just resting on your skill set. All right, let's get into DeAndre Ayton. Um, 
highlight comments. You know, uh, it's a new beginning to show you who I am, teach the young guys. Uh, he, he reiterated the, the about the point about um, just it feeling like he just got drafted, just the way he was welcome. It felt like it was just drafted, flown out here, showing all the love. It was like it was it was good. Um, there was definitely some strong um, Phoenix can kiss my ass um, sentiments in the, in his comments. And I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. That's the, the vibe that I got was like, I am so happy to be out of there. I, yeah. I like, this is like, let me show you who I really am again. Like, yes. I, like, yeah, I, I had some issues down there and, but it wasn't warrant uh, unwarranted, I should say. Um, and then the, the quote that is catching fire is I bring dominance. I'm dominating. Uh, I try to take hypocrisy out of the game. I'll take less shots. That that means we can get the win. That was a shot at the Phoenix Suns. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. And again, like the whole, I'll take less shots. That's what the Suns asked him to do in the year that he made the run, that they made the run to the finals. He sacrificed his box score stats and anchored that defense. They went to the finals and they did not pay him. So he has shown that he's been more than willing to be that guy. But I think now the Blazers need to rebuild his trust and then work their way from there before they ask him to do anything along those lines. I think a big thing for everybody this year, at least for me, is going to be this year, is not expecting a whole lot of wins. How does he handle that? Mm-hmm. I think it's one thing to say, hey, th- this team's not very good. Well, right now, he's you know, he's seen some of these guys run. He's played against some of these players. In his mind, he may not believe that. Most of these guys don't. Mm-hmm. And then you go out there and you've lost 80 of your last 11. You've lost 90 of your last 13. I think that's the test. It's not a skill set thing necessarily. I think people know what DeAndre Ayton is when he's locked in and engaged. It's going to be when you're really in the slumps, when you're not winning games, are you going to be engaged? And, you know, mm-hmm. I know he he answered some of those questions today and said, without a doubt, I'm a team guy. What? Don't worry about it. I got a good motor. Like, okay. I, that's the thing for me, though. I I I don't want just want to see how they play. Like, I want that center. That's a center that makes sense for this team in the mm-hmm. next three to four years. How is he this year if they're not very good? If he handles that a okay, he's a great leader. You know, Quick's writing a great in depth piece. Hikins writing these great pieces. Like, mm-hmm. we got all these beat guys writing pieces about him. Then fantastic. Yeah. I'm through the roof. But that's the big question mark with him. It's not so much I'm worried about rebounds and points and block shots. Those I come naturally to him. Yes, it is. Does it's everything it else. It? Yeah, it's yeah. it's the it's the mentals, it's the leadership. Like that's a big part for him this year. I don't disagree. He had a line that made uh, one uh, when asked about his uh, how he found out about the trade. He said he found out like that day, like when it happened. My agent called me and told me, and then he dropped a line as like as like as per my request or as what I wanted, as in like yeah, yeah, I wanted the hell out of here. Uh, I already do. Knowing when you found out about the trade versus knowing you're getting traded are two different things, by yes, the way. But it was he did slide that in there like like I wanted. Yeah, right, right. Um, he had a great little comment. I think it's being overlooked a little bit. Um, like you know, as far as like playing here in the past, um, he said, "I know the fan base is phenomenal. I came out here, and got my ass whipped by forty a couple times, so I know how I can get in here." I thought <laughs> that was a nice little endearing way of like, if I remember right, I think there was like a opening opening season. Two years ago, because they had the one when everybody got super excited a year ago, like, oh, they beat the Suns. I'm like, everybody chill. Remember, that was the one everybody got mad at me about. But I think there was his either rookie year or second year, they came up here and got the shit kicked out of him. 
Yeah, I remember that. So um, it's stuck in his head, too. I thought that was a interesting one. Anything else on D.A.? No, just excited to see him work and how he's going to fit with these young guys. Uh, we'll burn through these real quick because we're already at an hour right now. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Grant, JG said what JG always does. Just slightly above the minimum. Uh, he didn't go full Shaden. Gave a little bit of a quote every now and then. Giggled about being not the oldest guy in the room. Loves being a dad. Super stoked yeah. about that. Um, everybody's like, well, Jeremy's going to get traded. There's probably a good chance Jeremy gets traded at the deadline. I, I don't. I think the thing with Jeremy is very simple. As long as Jeremy wants to be here, or the Blazers don't like actively want to move on for him in to make room for others or to move salary around, it'll be a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah. But I know this. I I've already had writers and and uh, execs from other teams ask me, "Do you think they're going to make Jeremy available relatively quickly?" And I'm just like, "Oh, probably." Pick the phone up and find out. Yeah, like I just, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would imagine that that's probably there. It's, it's hilarious, and as much as we don't want to hear this, I, I, I could see the Lakers being a team that is very much interested in Jeremy Grant come playoff time uh, or the trade deadline. Um, they were a team that was rumored to like want to pursue him this offseason too. So, I think the good thing is any team that calls Portland uh, can probably get through. Unless you're Miami, and then you hear the one eight seven seven cars for kids ring back tone as you're waiting on hold for twenty five minutes. I think that's what happens when you're in Miami. Mm-hmm. Probably fair. Um, he was asked about playing the three, and he basically said, "I don't care." Yeah. Um, Jeremy is a positionless guy, but I would be shocked if Jeremy spends much time in the three. Well, I think you look at the way the roster's built. Most of the time, he should be much a four that or five. he's yeah. he's a four. Everybody keeps trying to make him a three, and it's he's not. a three he's never been a three when they played him at the three at every stop he's been not good there or not not good he's not nearly as good at a, as a three as he is as a four just it is what it is um uh, all right so that's jeremy um uh, and um i thought it was interesting that the question i asked him about the things he's been working on it was very normally you know guys like oh i've been working on my shooting i've been working on my passing i've been working on my drip you know whatever and had a very specific thing he said, I think it was about being able to handle being denied the ball and being trapped, making sure I'm durable for the whole game through that, stepping into a leadership role and making that come out of me, being more vocal. It's like he had very specific touch points that he was focusing on in the sense mm-hmm. of in the past he's worked with um, Darren Collison in the offseason, uh, former NBA point guard, uh, two-way yeah. point guard, hell of a defender. Uh, on his ball handling, and, and DC was a guy who had a great handle, and that's yeah. what made him successful. Um, was just he was a guy it was very difficult to get the ball off of. Um, he was the most underrated part of those UCLA Final Four teams mm-hmm. too. Very good player, um, but Ant has improved his handle drastically since he's come into the league. It's been one of the the, the key things to him going from a guy who's just uh, one of the five best shooters in the league to one of the best pick and roll creators in the league. Um, if he's able to get to the point where you can't fluster him, i.e. turn his back, if he can attack while never having to turn his back, that was something that Dame developed as well uh, about year three in his career, was mm-hmm. there's almost nobody out there that would make him that can make him turn his back. Um, that's a huge, 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 huge lift. Um, knowing how and when to step back from that blitz, that trap, to create that space and find that passing lane, um, how, how to work off that ball denial. I think those are huge, huge things because, again, Ant's um, the lead creator on this team. 
Yeah. And there's there's a shortage. Your two creators are Ant and, and Scoot. Mm-hmm. Like you've got Brogdon, sure. I don't expect them to be here long term, so you're you're concentrating on those those two guys. They need one more creator in the forward department, I think, to alleviate some of that stuff in the long term. But that's that is I think that was a really impressive thing to hear from Ant. So I think my takeaway was given this what he what he can do really well already, finding those little things to nitpick or improve on that guys like us don't think about the way that they do. You know, my takeaway was for all this mentor talk with Dame, I actually heard that answer and was like, I hope Scoot, I hope Scoot hears all of this. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope Scoot is listening and going, oh, you don't just dribble and shoot and do cone drills. Like, the mental side of this of this league and this sport is, is the biggest separator. It, it absolutely is. And I think for a guy like Ant to learn along the way that he did playing behind guys like Dame and CJ and get to this point where somebody asks him, Skill set wise, what did you work on? And he tells you that, like that's what I'm hoping Scoot hears. Now, Ant this season, I think there's a lot of really high expectation. Can he be a 25 and seven guy? I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. He's not a high assist guy. I know he's going to shoot a lot of shots, but I expect I could, Ant to put up crooked numbers this year. I could see him doing 25 and seven, Danny. Mm-hmm. Like that's not out of the realm. I think for Ant at this point of his career, given how much he's going to have the ball in his hands. Yeah, I I don't think that's out of the like I I know I'm the ant guy. I know there's a picture on the freaking wall. Like, but he's that talented, and I know uh, a lot of people in the league think the same thing about him. I I also I mean, I think he's also naturally getting back to a more normal position for himself. I mean, I it wasn't necessarily fair to judge the Dame Ant pairing in the mm-hmm. snapshot that we got, but I think naturally with his with who he is, he's better with the ball in his yes. hand than he is waiting on the wing. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be the natural evolution here is that he is going to start the season with the ball in his hand the most. Yeah. If the season ends and he doesn't have the highest usage rate, I will be shocked. Me too. Me too. Um, speaking of the point guard, uh, Tease and and, um, and Shaden had just a few things to say, but again, we're kind of up against it, so I want to make sure we get Scoot in here, and I think we'll probably wrap it up there. Yeah. Um, I asked Scoot about the question of being a teenage point guard and about how successful those have been. And By the it, way, you asked a couple today. Uh, you, you, did you get home and, and do one of these? Huh? Did you did you do one of these? Because yeah. Chauncey and Scoot both dropped a, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I did take a little bit of time to have some questions in my head ahead of time. You're so. not a complete idiot. I no, mean, come on. No, I'm not, not a complete idiot. Just a minor idiot. Um but no, I, I I wanted to know if Scoot like kind of had that frame of reference of like you're one of 24 teenage point guards in the history of the league. 4500 5000 players, give or take, have come through this league. You're one of 24 as a teenager to play point guard. Mm-hmm. It does not happen. Okay? Now, a big part of that is because it didn't it wasn't allowed for the longest time. But even in that group, three <laughs> have averaged more than 15 and five. And when I named off LaMelo, Kyrie, Stephon Marbury, he kind of went like, oh, shit. It's a pretty good list. <laughs> you know, of like. Yeah. And he didn't back away from that one bit. And he said, I think my pinpoints are finding out who I am as a player. I think my biggest thing is to push the pace and be encouraging. Um, 
I just need to do what I'm great at. Get downhill. Spread the ball. Spread the love. I'm trying to be great, as you said. So it's going to start with that. I don't think we're going to have a ton of set plays, though. I think it's going to be fun. Like, that was him basically saying, like, I'm going to get out and I'm going to be unabashedly me. And he answered somebody else's question about, um, I, I don't have any pressure to be Damian Lillard. I have yeah, he's going to be pressure. Scoot. I'm going to be Scoot Henderson. I thought it was yeah. a great answer. And he does yeah. get that, although... Nick DiPaolo just tweeted out a little bit ago his signature shoe from Puma. It Zero. looks like they stole the design from Dame's shoe. <laughs> it's okay because Dame's logo was stolen from Dayton. So, you know, we're all stealing something yeah. in a way here. Yeah. <laughs> like, everybody's got something that originated from somewhere yeah. else, and that's okay. There's a little twist on it. You know what? That tells me it's a comfortable shoe is what yeah, that tells because me. Because Dame's shoe is uh, outside of uh, Kobe's and Kyrie's, I believe – Dame is still still has this the the third highest worn signature signature shoe in the league. I know a ton of people with it, and obviously we live in Portland, but people swear by it that play mm-hmm. in it. I, I loved his answer on like the Dame, and he's like, "No, I'm Scoot." Like that's the approach, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, people want you to be the next prodigal son of your team, but what's the point of dwelling on it? What's the point of thinking about it all the time? He's just gonna be who he is. I don't think he'll get to those numbers personally. I think he'll be just shy of 15 points, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be happy with what I see him do this year, uh, Danny, on the court with this team, especially when they get on the fast break. Yeah, no, this this is like it's going to to be a thing out of necessity that they have to run because they just don't have enough dudes to be effective in the half court. Do you think he averages 15 and five? I'm much more confident that he averages the assists and the points. Yeah, see, I'm thinking like 13.9 and five assists. That's kind of I, I would bump the assists up to seven. That's great. Like I'm I, happy I, with I that. think you're going to get like two guys in Scoot and Ant who both average like seven assists. Dude, you give me Steve Nash with an afro, I'm going to be ecstatic. Like, and well, then, the flip side of that being Steve Nash is one of like the five best shooters to literally ever play the game. Danny, we don't need to talk about semantics here. I mean, what do we come on? <laughs> we're Get talking Steve Nash creation? Sure. Yeah. Um, that is a little wrinkle. The um Scoot is much more of a dribble savant, a handies savant, as it were, um, yeah. than than Dame. It's not that Dame doesn't have a good handle. Dame is economy of motion. There's not a dribble wasted other than his setups where he does a hang dribble, walking up to lull you to sleep. Then it's right-left split behind the back, right-left between the legs. See ya! Yeah. It's the same thing every time. You know it's coming, and guess what? He still Stop. eats dudes up. Yep. Dame doesn't, like, Dame's bag, the, the depth of his bag is not crazy when it comes to handles. It's just that the eight moves that he goes to destroy you. His step back, the creation he makes, the space creation he makes, maybe some of the, maybe the best in the league. It's, it's him and Steph that, that create so much separation with so much balance. It's insane. Scoot is more, uh, just lean you out there and break your shit off. Mm-hmm. And with that, you get a guy in semi-transition, three-on-two, four-on-three, those kind of situations where somebody commits and they overcommit to Scoot. Now all of a sudden, Shay's ripping back door and it's just, boop, to go full Magic Johnson, just, yeah. You know, and it's that's that's gonna be where everybody loses their shit. Yeah, and it's one of those I'm, things where it's like Blazers down by twelve. <laughs> you know, hey, but it's not gonna matter. 
but that's not going to be his fault no. this year. No, I, I, I'm all in. I think everybody's all in. Like I, I truly believe it though. When I, when I watch him answer questions, whether that's today or before at the draft press conference or pre-draft stuff, man, like I know we're doing this whole Dame and Scoot and we'll Scoopy Dame and like how that bar is set. I, I don't care about that. I just know that like when I watch him and when I listen to him, he is it. I just I'm a believer. I I he can't shoot like Dame. Okay. You're you're literally naming skill sets and things he can do that Dame it's not his top uh skill set. And I just I'm a big believer in him. I think he's got the right attitude for this. And I I honestly think we're going to see a lot of FU when he's on the court. I think he's been one of those great smile, nice guy in the community. Oh, there's Scoot. Everybody loves Scoot. And then he gets on the court and people hate him because he plays with a lot of fu dog in him, and I, I cannot wait to see it. I love that. Um, like we're up against it now, because I don't want to yeah. keep it any bit longer. Is there yeah. anything else from from media day that you want to touch on? I think we hit everything. I think so too. Like there's there's the uh, we we you know what what we'll do is we'll touch on the the other guys, the Jabari's and Tumani's and. Uh, yeah, let's Ryan's. hold that for later. We'll, later, we'll, we'll yeah. touch on yeah. that later this week, yeah. and like kind of expectations for that. Um, yeah, they go to camp tomorrow. So. Yes, and I'm going to try to get uh, either Travis Demers or uh, Hyken on because they're both going to be down there uh, at Great. training camp. I'm going to try and get one of those guys to come on down at training camp and any of the storylines and yeah. uh, what's coming out of that, and then uh, hopefully we'll be able to get the kids on here in the next couple weeks. Dope. So, I love it. Um, that's where we stand right now. Thank you all, everybody. We appreciate you. Like, rate, view, subscribe. Help us grow the channel. We are just short of 6,000. Let's now. go. So uh, the goal is by the end of the year. Let, let's see if we can get to eight. Yeah. It, it's it's going to be a year where they're going to get 26 wins, but uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about all year because for the first time in 11-plus years, we have new storylines. It's a new era. Yes. Um, so yeah. there's a lot of things to explore. Um, like I said, I will have the um, my kind of reaction piece to the whole Dame saga up on my Patreon for free, hopefully here in a little bit. Um, I've already started diving into the the DeAndre Ayton film. Uh, I'm very familiar with DA already, but I want to make sure I, I have everything that I haven't already gone through. Um, I will do a deep dive for all the Patreon subscribers um, on DA. Um, we're going to do even more with Scoot, um, and we'll... Uh, the televised preseason games, we will have watch playback. We will be back again for the road games, I should say. Um, the home games, I will obviously be in the building. Uh, other than that, I think we've got about covered it. We're good, man. I think we covered a lot of things today with Media Day. All right, perfect. Uh, remember, Jack Ramsey's brought to you by Move Insoles. Uh, go ahead and grab you a sweet, sweet pair of insoles. Uh, they are dumb comfortable. I have them in my basketball shoes. I am still efforting a pair of Sabrina ones. So if you find them in a size 12, please holler at your boy. Um, other than that, you can find us on social media at Danny Morang, at Brandon Sprague, at Jack Ramsey's on social media. Email the show, jackramsey's at gmail.com. You can catch Brandon with his co-host, Andy Dirk Johnson, 6 to 9 a.m. every morning on 1080 The Fan. And my, me and my co-host, Dusty Hera, noon to 3, also on 1080 The Fan. Uh, other than that, we'll catch you guys next time. Uh, we'll probably do a check-in here in a couple days from training camp and kind of evaluate where things stand. And we'll get you ready for uh, Blazers preseason basketball, which I believe is a week away. Um, wow. Yeah crazy stuff take care talk soon i'm gonna go golf and probably hurt myself <laughs> see you later mm, bye
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.